All right, well, let's jump into the word. I like to pack a lot of scripture into my messages. Today, I have packed even more. So get ready. We're going to get lots of word packed into us this message. We're considering, uh, excuse me, continuing our series entitled Prototype. Everybody say Prototype. And so we are continuing our series entitled Prototype. And in this series, um, it's really been a little more free-flowing. Sometimes with series, I'll know like part one, part two, part three, part four. I already know what I'm speaking about and I've already pre-planned it. This one, I've tried to just stay a little bit more open-handed and sensitive to Holy Spirit. And so just seeing, okay, Lord, what's the next topic you want us to talk about? And really, as you will notice, we've really been focusing on new things that God is doing, but tying them very much to our DNA and our history and where God has brought us from. And so, so much of it hasn't been necessarily rejecting the past, it's building on top of the past and building forth with God's sake. So I want to talk with, start with our core passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47, and as has been our practice this fall, if you want to stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God, you can read along with me. I read from the English Standard Version if you've got your phone or your device. If you've got some other translation, feel free to read it. Just don't yell it too loudly because you might distract your neighbor if the wording's a little different. But you can always read with me on the screen. Uh, let's read. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord, as we come to your word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life. We thank you that your word is light. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we just open our hearts up even as we go to your word today to receive from you. Lord, I thank you that you want to speak to each one of us. Lord, I thank you that you will speak through me. It won't just be my words, but that I will really be able to communicate your heart and what you want to say today. And I pray that every person here will not just hear what I'm saying, but they will hear what you are saying to them through what I am saying. Father, we thank you and welcome just the presence of the Holy Spirit here today to illuminate the word, to convict us, to make us more like Jesus. And I pray that each one of us will not just be hearers of the word today, but we will be doers of the word in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me said, amen. Amen. Feel free to grab your seat. And so what I want to focus today on this passage, and as I have already alluded to a little bit, it's connected to last week. We had such a good time last week. I I shared with you guys, I I gave in to the temptation last weekend that pastors have of sometimes on special holidays preaching the easy message that's just like directly connected to the holiday. But we had a great time talking about thanksgiving and praise. Uh, If you missed that, I definitely would encourage you to go back and listen to it online or via the podcast. But we really tapped into something when we talked about thanksgiving and praise. I really felt like there was something that clicked for many of us. I felt like there was something that was energized. The the picture I had was almost of some wells kind of springing up again. Uh, Definitely if you look at the DNA and the history of our church, praise to God and just this heart for praise goes right back to the beginning. And even if you talk about the merge and the two congregations that ultimately came back there, you go back to the beginning of both churches, there was this heart for praise and this heart to praise God. 
And so we'll really untap some things. And so I wanted to take some time today, and I want to continue to talk to you about bringing a sacrifice of praise. And I want to just go back into the scriptures and see what the Bible says to us some more about this. So as I said, we're going to have lots of reading to do. We're going to be packed with scripture today. I want to start with Psalm 150. And Psalm 150 says this, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He said, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. I love this verse in Psalm 150. And it's so powerful to me because the book of Psalms is filled with praise to God. The book of Psalms is probably, if you had to say what's one area of the Bible that teaches us so much and speaks to us so much about praise, it would be the books of Psalms. It's filled with songs and hymns and and poems and declarations of God. And there's so much of it that's about praising God. If you want to grow in praise, spend time in the Psalms. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time in the Proverbs. But if you want to grow in your heart of praise and your heart of worship to God, spend time in the Psalms. But I love it because Psalm 150, Psalms has 150 chapters. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit, when he's putting this all together, for 149 chapters, is speaking to us of all these different things about praising God. Praising God, just well through it. And then for the last chapter, he says, okay, and there's one more thing I want to make sure you get out of this book. What do I want you to get? Praise the Lord. And he just says, praise God. And it's almost like he just starts going, praise the Lord. And if we modernize it, praise the Lord at church. Praise the Lord while you're in your car. Praise the Lord while you're in your house. Praise the Lord while you're walking down the street. Praise the Lord while you're at your workplace. I mean, he's basically just trying to cover every aspect of praising God. But it reminds me again, as I said to you last week with Thanksgiving, that praise is not meant to be something that's optional. Praise is a commandment. And God commands us to praise the Lord. And I love this last part where it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How many of you have, have, you have breath? How many people are breathing? If you're not breathing, we've got another problem. We're going to need to do a prayer meeting or something. Very quickly, call, the, call 911. You're not breathing. So I want you to know today, if you have breath in your lungs, you are called to praise God. Go on, somebody tell your neighbor, you're called to praise. Didn't say, let everyone who can sing well praise the Lord. Right? Didn't say, let, every, let, let all the extroverts praise the Lord, but all the introverts can kind of hang out over here and just chill. It said, here's the qualification for praising God. Do you have breath in your lungs? If you have breath in your lungs, you are called to praise. Come on, tell your neighbor, you are called to praise. And not only that, but as long as you have breath in your lungs, you need to keep on praising. Right? How long do we need to praise? You need to praise every day of your life. You need to praise God. If you have breath in your lungs, praise the Lord. As long as you have breath in your lungs, Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say it today. Praise the Lord. And so what I want to do today is we actually, last week at different points, we kind of referenced some different biblical stories just in some of the examples they gave or passing. I want to go back through and actually want to read them. 
And I want to go through them together as a church. And I'm going to share a couple thoughts with you. But what I want to encourage you as we're reading through the story, be listening to Holy Spirit. What might Holy Spirit even speak to you in the middle of the message about praise? And so we're going to start with King Jehoshaphat and when they sent the praisers first. So if you want to turn with me to 2 Chronicles 21, and we're going to start to 2 Chronicles 20, and we're going to read some verses and jump around. So we're going to start at verse 1. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of them the Menunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Timar, which is Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek God. Now again, most of us, you know, it talks about Jehoshaphat being afraid. We get used to these Bible stories. We get used to what happened. Oftentimes we know the ending. So we kind of read the first part in the context of already knowing what's going to happen. But I want you to put yourself in Jehoshaphat's shoes for a few moments. This entire host of armies is coming against them. And they're coming to kill them. It's not a video game. It's not a competition. They're coming to kill them, to kill their wives, to kill their children, to burn their cities, to take those they don't kill into slavery, to wipe them out. And this was a vast army that they did not have the ability to defeat in themselves. So when it says Jehoshaphat was afraid and he called everyone to seek the Lord, I want us to catch the context of this, to catch what was going on. So then we jump to verse 13 and it says, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. So this is when they came together to seek the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Metaniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Everybody say, it's God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up to the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and Korahites stood up to praise God, the God of Israel, the very loud voice. Just pause for a second. I think what God wants to do with some of you in this season is just to get you to stop being so quiet in your praise. And everyone got really quiet at that moment. So often, I, there's nothing magical or something super spiritual about being loud, but here's what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to silence your voice. And there's power on shouting to God. There's power in praising God with a loud voice. There is something that is liberating and freeing when you learn to push past any inhibition and just give God a full praise. And I want to encourage you. That's just what God wants to do with some of you. He's saying, I'm just trying to get you out of your shell a little bit more because there is so much that I have for you. And I said last week, somebody said, well, that's not my personality. Well, I want you to understand that God wants to move you past your personality into a kingdom reality. 
And so he wants to do that. And so I love this. So verse 20, it says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the craziest battle plan in history. They literally put the worship team in front of the soldiers and they marched into battle singing, give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. Rebecca and Ella, what do you think? Next battle puts you on the front lines? Well, yeah, we're excited when it's spiritual, but it's natural. I don't know. Right? That's me like, Pastor, you know what you're talking about right now? How come pastor isn't up here with us? What's going on right now? Right? But they put them at the front and they led forward. And then what it says here, give thanks to the Lord, steadfast love and nurse. And when they began to sing and praise, come on, when they began to sing and praise, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who'd come to fight against Judah, so they were routed. Amen. There was a victory that came. Why? Because they heard God and they prayed. Several thoughts I wanted to share with you of this passage. Just a few things. Number one, when we face challenges, when we face battles, when we face difficulties in our lives, we need to learn to go to prayer and to go to praise. What do you do when things get hard? What do you do when things get difficult? What do you run to? What is your coping mechanisms? Because that I believe what God wants for us, and especially what he's stirring us in this season, is he wants us to become so quick to go to prayer. And so quick to go to a place of praise. Why? Because that's where our victory is found. What do you go to when things are hard? What do you go to when things are difficult? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I don't naturally go to prayer. And I don't naturally go to praise. Especially not praise. I think that's where we need. Sometimes I'll go to prayer, but I believe God's saying to us in this season, every time you face a challenge, go to prayer, but be quick also to go to praise. Be quick to go to praise. See, when they faced this insurmountable odds, this insurmountable situation, there's another part I didn't read where he talks about, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When you're in situations where you don't know what to do, but you're saying, God, my eyes are on you, one of the ways to seal that is to step into a place of praise. What do you do when it's hard? Because God is saying, I want to teach you, I want to train you to go without even thinking to go into prayer. Without even thinking about your first response is to go to a place of praise. The second thing that stands out to me from this passage is that it's very important that we learn to respond to a now word of the Lord. See, they had this problem. They went to prayer. But see, when you pray, listen for God to answer. Sometimes, you know, we pray, and especially if we're kind of freaked out, we just go into like hyperdrive. Thank you, Lord. Please do this, do this. And God's like, uh, I'm trying to get a word in edgewise. We're just like, God, I need you. And God, you move. And you know, if you're spirit filled, you get into tongues, you're like, shun da 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 da, shakatata. You know, it's just like, you're just like totally freaking out. God's like, listen. God's like, I want to speak to you. And furthermore, what I feel like God is wanting to do with this in this season is like, I'm glad you're here on Sunday. Like, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. I'm glad that you're, you're following Jesus. But so often, 
our Christian life is reduced coming to a service, sing a few songs, listen to a message, get out of here, go and try not to sin during the week, and hopefully make it back next week. And, and those are all good things. You don't want to sin. And I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're singing, and I'm glad we're listening to the Word. But God wants to call you up higher to where you are actually learning to walk in the Spirit throughout the week. God wants to call you higher where you're actually learning to partner with Him in what He is doing. And I want to challenge you in this because so often we don't say this consciously. Usually it's subconscious. We just think, well, that's good for the pastor. That's good for the leader. That's good for, you know, so-and-so intercessor, so-and-so. But God wants you to be able to walk in the spirit throughout the week. God wants you to be listening to him. And so part of what happens is we need to learn when we face challenges and battles and difficult situations to go to praise and to enter into praise. And we also then need to learn, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you asking us to do? We actually had an interesting moment of this in first service. Because we were singing a song near the end. And, and I just felt like, man, okay, there's something opening up here. I, I, you can't really describe it. Sometimes you just feel it. But there's something in the realm of the Spirit here where we can push in deeper. You know what I mean? Like we were hitting that a little bit here in second service. But a lot of us were going forward. Well, first service, I felt like we were kind of, we we're working on it a bit. So I felt, okay, let me come up and exhort and let me come in. I just exhort everyone. Say, listen, we have an opportunity from you all things, to you all things. You deserve the glory. And we have an opportunity to Christian karaoke right now. Or we have an opportunity to really enter into a true spirit of worship and pray, like to push in. And I'm not saying people weren't worshiping. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like God said, go even deeper. Push in even deeper. See, we have to learn to hear what God's saying. If God says we have to be the kind of church that if we've got a Sunday and the Holy Spirit just starts to move and we realize we just need to praise all Sunday. Scrap the message, scrap everything else. Today is the Sunday of praise. We've got to be a church that can go with that. Instead of going, oh, wait a minute, it's a little bit past worship finishing time. Where's Pastor Brendan or Pastor Jair? Someone's got to transition here. We need to have a message. I have a lunch appointment. What's going on here? Right? It's where we're used to the motions instead of saying, no, we want what the Holy Spirit wants. Amen? And it's not, now I'm not saying it's bad to do worship in the word. That's good. To, but what I'm saying is that we'd be a people who don't just go through the motions, but are listening to the Holy Spirit. So that's the second thing that stands out to me through this passage. And the third thing that stands out to me in this passage is simply this. When we praise, God fights for us. Come on, somebody say, when we praise, say God fights for us. Find somebody near you, look at them, and tell them today, when you praise, God fights for you. Let's move to our next passage. We're going to now move to Joshua chapter 6. And this is when the children of Israel took on Jericho. And so it says in verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. You can imagine what the atmosphere is like in Jericho. There's this huge you know, gathering of people, and then they just watched them cross the Jordan River in springtime flood where the river just dried up. And they could see that from Jericho. So you can imagine what they were going through. And verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, and its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. 
and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the Ark men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Now, uh, just pause here for a second. I try, when I read these stories, I try and put myself into them. So the Lord comes. It doesn't tell us exactly how. I mean, I know the angel of the Lord appeared to Joshua. I suspect that's where it was, where these commandments came. But God said to him and gave him this crazy battle plan. I mean, just, just absolutely nuts. Again, we're used to this, but think of this. Joshua's ready. Okay, Lord, speak to me. How are we going to take Jericho? And God tells him this. And Joshua goes, okay. And imagine now Joshua going to all the leaders and all the people. And they're like, okay, Joshua. He's like, God's spoken to me. We're getting ready to take Jericho. And everyone's like, okay. And they're ready. Okay, what's the plan? How are we going to storm the city? What are we going to do? And he's like, we're going to go. And we're going to take horns. And we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. Someone starts going, are we doing a battle or parade here? What's going on, Joshua? And he's like, and we're going to march around the city one time. And we're going to come back to camp. And they're like, okay. And then the next day, okay, yes, the next day, what are we going to do? We're going to take the horns. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to march around the wall one time, and we're going to come back to camp. Picture people. And then he's going, and I don't even know. Like, it doesn't really tell us, did he tell them about the wall falling flat part? Right? Did he tell them? I mean, have you ever had God tell you something that just seems kind of like out there and crazy, and you believe him, but your head is still struggling with it? I, 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 I'm looking forward to talking to Joshua one day, going, like, what was this like, Joshua? What did, how did this work? So let's keep reading here. So Joshua, verse 8, And just as Joshua commanded the people and the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord, they went forward, blowing the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark as the trumpets blowing continually. So picture this, like you're in Jericho. Army comes marching. Weird box in the middle of it, because they didn't know what the ark was. And you got these priests blowing these ram horns continuously. I mean, just, and they march around the walls. They go, I mean, I guess you could say it could be psychological warfare, because they're like, these guys are crazy. What are they doing? Like, they're just coming, blowing. Have you ever heard, like, shofars and ram horns? Like, it's not like pretty, do, 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 do. You know, it's just kind of like this, this kind of mournful sound, and it's just blowing, and they keep blowing, and then they go back to camp. And they're like, what is going on here? And so, so, as we said in verse 8, And Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. It's like silence except these horns. And so he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about once, and they came to the camp and spent the night in the camp. One other thought I'll just say as we go this. Remember we talked about listening to the Holy Spirit? Notice how specific God was with his instructions. Like, I don't you, in my natural self, I would have been tempted to say, you know, Lord, can we do like twice a day for three days and then do seven to kind of save some time here? It's more efficient. He was so specific because that's what we have to learn to listen to what God's saying to do. And some of us get ourselves in trouble because we try and modify God's commandments. Or we try and, well, Lord, I know you said this, but... I know you said this is what I needed to sow, but God, you know, can we talk about this for a little bit because of this and that? Lord, I know this is what you said I needed to do in my prayer time, but you know, Lord, like, we got to understand. No, we've got to learn to, if this is what God said, I'm going to follow through. And so watch this. 
And so he caused, verse 11, he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going once. They came back to the camp, spent the night. Verse 12, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests uh, took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. See how many times there is seven priests, seven trumpets, ark, like God was specific. And they blew the trumpets continually, and there are men walking before them, a rear guard after the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once to return to the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went into the city, every man straight before him and they captured the city. Now, several thoughts out of this passage and they all do end up tying together. Number one, praise doesn't make sense to your natural mind, but it is powerful in the spirit. I want to make sure we talk about this because most of us, maybe, maybe a few here today, you know, kind of church is kind of new to you. You're not, new to all, you're not used to all this stuff. And, and that's awesome. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, for a lot of us, we kind of have some use to church. We have some use to praise. We have some use to kind of worship. But, but think about it. If you take a step back and realize, you know, you, someone could be sitting here listening to you. So Pastor Brandon, you're telling me that that if I just sing really loud to God and do this praise thing, that God moves. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah, but you're telling me, you, you mean so, if I just like sing and shout and, and do all this stuff, some I see some people doing, it's actually gonna have a spiritual impact in the world. Yeah, it is. Does that make sense to the natural mind? Nope. But it's God? Yeah. Does it make sense to send the praisers first if you're Jehoshaphat to rout the enemy that's trying to wipe you out? Nope. But it was obedience to God. Does it make sense to have your battle plan to march around a wall seven times and then seven times on the seventh day blowing ram horns and then shouting to God? No, it doesn't make any sense. But guys, what we've got to learn to step into. I'm a very logical person. I'm not against logic. The Bible tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is not anti-logic. But there's things that are very logical in heaven and very logical to God that seem like foolishness here on the earth. And sometimes we miss out on what God is saying or God is doing because we go well that doesn't make sense to me well since when were you God and you were up there knowing all and seeing all and understanding all right we've got to make that decision and understand okay God even when it doesn't make sense even when it doesn't make sense I'm going to praise and can I say even further that especially when it doesn't make sense you need to praise many of you would be familiar with the story but I remember when, uh, when Pastor Sharon and I lost our first, uh, our first pregnancy to miscarriage. And it was just, just about a year into marriage, and we were absolutely devastated. It was the hardest thing I think I had ever been through in my life, by far. Nothing even came close to compared. It just felt like, you know, if you've been through something like that, you literally just feel like your world gets shattered. And so then we'd gone up to Ottawa, and we were spending some time with her parents who lived there at that time. And they were great. They just loved on us. And, and ultimately, after several days, we decided, you know, we were praying at first for God to work a miracle. But, you know, there was no heartbeat. And just for several reasons, we said, okay, let's go have a procedure, have a DNC. 
uh, just because, you know, there can be infection and different things that happen. And we felt a peace and we went ahead and do that. And I remember, I remember the night when we finally got her because her dad was, you know, kind of very high up in the hospital. So he'd gotten kind of pulled some strings to make sure she could get in for a procedure in a good timing. And I remember them wheeling her out to go down to the operating room. And I remember, I mean, I don't know if I've ever had a moment where I felt like that before because I was just already devastated. We lost our child. Now my wife's getting taken out to surgery. And sometimes it's not, you know, it's not rational, but I don't know. I'm feeling very afraid. She's not going to come back either. I just got, you know, just totally destroyed by loss. I'm afraid she's not going to come back. She's gone. I'm here in a strange city. Nobody's with me. I'm all by myself in a birthing room because that's where they'd kind of set her up. And I remember I'm just there and I felt at the lowest point that I'd ever felt in my entire life. But see, in that moment, as I was just there before God, I started to get this sense and it wasn't like this big glorious, yes, I'm going to be really spiritual right now. I was drowning. I was there, but I just got this sense, I just, I need to praise. Now, how does that make sense? That makes no sense in one element. That makes no sense in this moment. But family, there are going to be times that it doesn't make sense in the natural to praise God. But you've got to learn in that moment that I'm going to praise anyways. And I remember I just started, and there was a song we'd sing at church in that season. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm late, like totally an inappropriate song for the moment of what I was going through. But I knew I needed to praise. I knew I needed to praise, not because of my circumstance or my situation, but because who he was. I needed to praise. And so in that moment, I was there, and I couldn't even sing. I couldn't even speak. I just started whispering, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying, and and I just started to whisper. I could barely get the words out, but I said, I'm bringing a sacrifice of praise. In the hardest moment, in the most difficult moment, when I feel like I'm totally shattered, I could run away from God, but I'm going to bring a sacrifice of praise to God. And as I started to whisper, and I started just to, to sing that out, and my voice started to get stronger, and there's this peace that started to flood my heart. There's this sense and confidence that God is with me. I felt the presence of Jesus come into that room and I never felt his presence before but it happened because I chose in a moment even when it didn't make sense to praise I chose to be a person of praise and it set was it everything perfect from then no was it a hard road forward yes it was a hard road forward but I knew he was with me and I set the foundation that in this season you have moments Bill Johnson actually said something about this recently with his wife passing you have a very few moments in your life where you are confronted by real loss and those are the most beautiful moments to offer a sacrifice of praise those are because you never you, you don't just get those but there's those moments where you say in this moment I'm offering you God a sacrifice of praise but he always steps in praise doesn't make sense to the natural mind but it's powerful in the spirit the second thing that I love about this is it shows a picture of the power of when you mix unity and praise you see multiplied momentum See, in that story, in that account, I was praising by myself. And there will be moments where you don't have anybody else around you. Nobody's encouraging you. Nobody's there. You have the worship leader on stage going, come on, lift up the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. You have nothing but you learn to praise. But there is something that is so powerful when we learn to praise God together. That's why these gatherings are so important. That's why things like all church prayer, when we come together, there is something that is released when we praise God together. 
There is something powerful that happens when we praise God together. There's this multiplied momentum that is released when we praise the Lord together. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And last but not least, the last thing I want you to see from this passage before we move to our final one today is when you praise, God fights for you. Come on, somebody say it again. When you praise, say God fights for you. We see it with Jehoshaphat. When they praised, God fought for them. We see it now with Joshua and Jericho. When they praised, God fought for them. And I don't know. We, I, this is another one. When I get to heaven, I want to run to the movie room because I want to see some of these things and what it actually looked like. But many Bible scholars actually believe that one of the reasons this was so terrifying, it said the walls came down and they ran straight in. Those walls were very high and very thick. If they had fallen outward, they still couldn't have got over them. And many scholars believe that when they shouted God that angels actually got on top of those walls and literally pushed them down into the ground can you imagine but see when you praise God fights for you when you praise angels are released to the assignments of God when you praise things in the spirit go into motion and things in the spirit begin to happen but it doesn't happen when we whine it doesn't happen when we complain it doesn't happen when we just go I'm not saying anything it's really hard no it happens when we offer the sacrifice of praise come on God's assigned angels to you are they tired and bored because they have nothing to do because you won't put God's praise on your lips or are you putting them into motion because of your praise when we praise God fights for us the last chapter we're going to go Acts 16 16 to 34 Paul and Silas as they were going to a place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination this is Paul Silas and Luke because Luke is writing and brought the owners much gain by fortune telling she followed Paul and us crying out these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed you the way of salvation and this she kept doing for many days Paul, I love Paul. Paul's just hardcore. Having been greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And the Spirit came out that very hour. But when her owners saw the hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the market. I don't know what happened to Luke. I mean, Luke, maybe Luke, kid out. I don't know. But they grabbed Paul and Silas. They dragged them to the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our seat, racism. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept their practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. This is one of the punishments in biblical times, big, long rods. And they would just beat you until your back was literally split open and bleeding everywhere. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas were having a bad day. How many people here have ever had a bad day? It's okay. What do you do when you have a bad day? When I have a bad day... I usually try to emotionally eat. I'm an emotional eater. Any other emotional eaters here? I want sugar. I want ice cream. I want Coca-Cola. I want something. It's just been a stressful day. And so I, you emotionally eat. How many of us, you binge watch? So usually my combination is I emotionally eat and I go try and binge watch something to get my mind off it. Or if it's been a really bad day, I just go to bed. Because I'm like, I want this day finished. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be a new day. Anybody else with me on this? Right? Well, that's what we do. But see, God wants us to learn to do something different when we have a bad day. Because Paul and Silas had a bad day. But how did they respond? 
I would shoot. I would have been very tempted. I mean, you talk about this. is I'm just trying to obey God. I'm just trying to serve God and follow God. They lied on me. They were racist towards me. They, they said this about me. They said that about me. They, they did this. I've beaten. They've thrown us. Remember, this is not like prisons nowadays. You're talking dark, old, moldy rats running around, everything. Like, you think about just a bad, that's where they were. And yet, what did they do? About midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners escaped. Because in those days, if you lost your prisoners, you were executed in place. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all were within his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed God. Now I was noticing this first service. I love Paul. I cannot wait to meet Paul. Paul is so hardcore. I mean, even if I had enough spiritual sense, if I had enough sense to praise and worship God, an earthquake comes and opens my door, I'm leaving. Right? I'm like, I'm out. God has delivered me. Silas, let's go. Right? Paul says, no, no, we're not going. We're preaching. Paul steps out and says, Paul gets out. He says, there's some people here who need to be saved. And so he turns, he goes to their house. He baptizes them. He eats food with them. I mean, this is Paul, what Paul is doing. But here's what I want you to see from this passage before we respond to the Lord. First and foremost, I want you to see again, when we face a challenge, we need to go to a place of prayer and praise. When we face a challenge, how do we reply? I was sharing this in first service, but I always remember, this is one of the stories that's really stuck with me. Carlene, my sister-in-law, she was at Bethel School of Ministry. They did a missions trip one year. She would do missions trips, you know, time. This was somewhat recently because she went there just the last number of years. And they took a missions trip to South Africa. And the first day when they got there, one of the students who was on the missions team got hit by a car and had to go to the hospital. Like messed up. And right here in the story, now I don't know about you, for me, that would be like, mission's trip done. I would be like, mission's trip is over, get me home. I mean, I'm just here trying to serve Jesus, I get hit by a car, I end up in the hospital. But you know what I loved and what just so inspired me so much? You know what that student did? I'm sure it took a few moments to kind of get that. That student just started preaching in the hospital. That student started preaching to the nurses, preaching to the doctors. Once the student felt a little better, they got up and started praying for people at other kind of rooms. And They saw a move of God in the hospital. Why? Because when you face the challenge, when you learn to praise, you see the opportunity that God has for you instead of just trying to get out from under the pressure. See, Paul saw the opportunity. I would have been like, earthquake, doors open, let's go. But Paul said, no, this is an opportunity to preach. This is an opportunity for a whole household to come into the kingdom. See the opportunities. But when you learn to be a person of praise, you learn to get your eyes on God. And you learn to see what God is doing even in the middle of challenging circumstances. Because it's not just about my comfort, but it's about his kingdom. Amen? Come on, some tell your neighbor, it's not just about your comfort. Tell them it's about his kingdom. So that's point number one. Again, 
When we face a battle, go to prayer, go to praise, watch what God does. Number two, it said the prisoners heard them. Can I encourage you today that your praise is not just for you, but God wants to work through your praise for somebody next to you. You might come in here on a Sunday and it's hard and it's been a tough week and things are difficult, but you decide I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to be like Silas. I'm going to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. I might feel like I'm in prison in some ways right now, but nothing's going to stop my praise. Nothing's going to silence my praise. And what you understand is when you do that, your praise can start to bring freedom for other people around you and you don't know who's sitting next to you you don't know who's behind you you don't know who God wants you to cross paths with but your praise will not just bring a freedom in your life but your praise will bring a freedom into their life too come on somebody say praise the Lord and I love this as well family when we are a people of praise it creates an opportunity for harvest God wants to bring people into the kingdom. God wants to bring people just like this jailer and his family. If Paul hadn't got thrown in prison and Paul and Silas hadn't said they were going to praise and worship God, he may have never even got saved. We don't know. But when we praise, we create an atmosphere for harvest. And last but not least, the last thing I want you to see today from this passage is when you praise, God fights for you. Come on, tell your neighbor, when you praise, God fights for you. Why do you keep repeating that point, Pastor? Because I want it to be in your mind. I want it to be in your heart. I want when you go to bed tonight, it's ringing in your ears. When I praise, God fights for me. God, this guys, this is not about God being egotistical where he's like, oh, just praise me. It's praise me. No, he wants to fight on your behalf. He wants to step into your situation. But he set it up in a way of the kingdom instead of the way of the world. In the world, I fight my battles. In the kingdom, I praise God and God fights my battles. I praise God and he steps into my situation my circumstance I when I was in that hospital room and my wife's being wheeled off to surgery I didn't praise because I feel like it I didn't praise because all these good things were happening in my life I praised because I was drowning and I had to but God said you praising me I'm stepping in for you I'm gonna fight this battle for you son why because you praised me come on somebody say praise the Lord come on somebody say hallelujah Come on, say it again. Hallelujah. So if we go back, just to finish, if the team wants to come, Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you got breath in your lungs today you need to praise God as long as you're breathing you need to praise God if you're going through a hard situation you need to praise God if you're facing some insurmountable circumstances you need to praise God whatever it is make a decision I am going to praise the Lord come on say it again praise the Lord come on somebody say hallelujah and can I share one more thing with you I don't know my team is I need the team come on team one more thing with you. I want to encourage you in this. This is an example of this today. We were, we were, we were praising. And I just, I, I just because it, it just impacted me in such a way. So in the first service, we said, let's praise. And we'd been talking the same stuff. Because you feel too. I was there. So we start to praise God, and it's good. And we're praising. And all of a sudden, I look up, and Gloria 
is starting to do a Jericho march around the church. This might not mean a lot to some of you because you might not know that just last month her son died. And 18 months before that, her other son had died. But here she was bringing a bigger sacrifice of praise than any of us. And, and I'm not comparing. I'm not trying to be like, oh, hers was bigger or whatever else because we each have our, she's like, God, but I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer. I hopped off the stage. I grabbed her hand and said, we're marching together. And all of a sudden, other members started jumping in with her and marching around together. But I thought for me, this, this is something I will remember. I, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this for the rest of my life. Because if there was anybody listening to my message who had a reason not to praise God on that day, I think it would have been her and Jonathan. And yet she said in the middle of this, I'm going to praise the Lord. And that hit me where I thought, man, I, I want to be like that. I want to have that heart where I'm going to praise God in every circumstance. But here's the reason, guys. I'm not doing it to look spiritual. I'm not doing it so people are impressed with me. Why am I do- I'm doing it because I need to do it. I'm doing it because God said, when you praise me, I will fight your battles for you. And if you're fighting a battle today that you feel like you can't win, maybe you need to stop trying to fight it yourself and you need to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to worship you. This is how I fight my battles with praise. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. How many people hear the heart today? Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say, hallelujah. And so if you're with me on this today, we're going to close this week like we did last week. I want you to stand to your feet. I've got the team here, but we're going to take a few moments. And I want you, if you need to get out of your seat, if you need to come to the front, if you need to do your own Jericho march around, whatever today, we're just going to take a few moments before we dismiss. But we are going to lift him up today because he fights our battles. He steps in on our behalf. And I'll let you, I got some battles. I need God to step in on my behalf right now. So I'm going to be a people of praise. Come on, somebody say, Say, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah.